So I actually asked somebody to speak today. Um, I've been working and uh, being a mom and um, a wife and pastor and employee and wearing many different hats while Pat's been gone is um, I thought, well, if I, if somebody will speak, that would be awesome because that's just, just one thing that off my plate that um, I don't have to be concerned about. But um, I was supposed to speak today. <laughs> and confirmation came. It's funny because it, here it was Friday night and um, I'm driving home and I'm like, okay, well, the next thing on my plate, I got to write a message and um, I'm going to be busy tomorrow. You know, I'm thinking about, but I'm, I'm really disciplining myself not to get stressed out. I'm just like, yeah, Lord, you, this is my prayer. Lord, you have a message you want to speak to your kids. Just tell me what it is. And that was my prayer. So Saturday, Friday night, fell asleep, so <laughs> didn't get written. Saturday morning, I'm on Skype with my husband and our new daughter for a couple hours. Then I'm on the phone with my daughter-in-law. Finally, it's like 1130, and I'm like, got to pick Annika up at three, so my window's getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> and um, Patty calls me, and she's like, hey, I just want to share something with you. And she shares it with me, and little does she know, she's confirming what the Lord had really been speaking to me. And she's like, just, Lord, why don't you just to keep it simple? And Which, if you know Pat and I, that's like our life saying, Keep it simple. The Lord has spoken, spoke that to us ever since we stepped out into ministry since 2007. The resounding thing that we have heard over and over and over and over is keep it simple because the gospel is simple. Amen. So Patty says, well, yeah, Lord, just want you to keep it simple. And, that, you know, and she spoke some other things that confirmed what today is going to be about. So, with no further ado, I just want to pray, and we're going to, Caitlin, give me a second. After I pray, go ahead and roll up. We're going to start with a video, and um, then I'm just going to speak from that. So, Lord, I, Davo said it best. When you give us a message, it's an honor just to be your mouthpiece. And I'm so humbled, God. I'm so humbled that you would choose me for this. Holy Spirit, I pray that every heart be open to receive, that eyes would see and ears would hear all that you have for them today and how you desire obedience over sacrifice. And then it's through our obedience that we express our love to you and our trust in you. So, Lord, I just thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, Caitlin. I had met Cindy uh, where I worked, and she was only a junior in high school. We fell in love with each other, and 
and I did the old-fashioned thing. I went to her mom and dad, asked her if I could marry her, and she's just a senior in high school. And they're like, well, we would like for her to graduate before you get married. And I said, oh, of course. I didn't just, I didn't tell them how long I was willing to wait after graduation. So two hours after she walked down the aisle to receive her high school diploma, she walked down the aisle to become my wife. You know, my time was consumed with hunting, fishing, racing motorcycles, and, and skiing. And so my wife and I, we ended up living separate lives for about seven years. Being an EMT and running on the local ambulance service uh, was, a, was a thrill, it was an all-time high. Uh, then I found out that Nye County had an excellent reserve program where within just, you know, about a year, I was certified as a class one reserve deputy. I got selected to be on the SWAT team, uh, first reserve in Nye County to have done that. Here I am, I'm, I'm living this high life. I'm running on the ambulance service. I'm making tons of money now. We're getting out of financial debt. I, I'm at an all-time high. I'm working 80 hours a week. In the middle of that, um, some strange news comes to us in the form of my wife tells me she's pregnant. I'm like, what? How, how can you be pregnant? Well, then I kind of realized, well, I, I know how you can be pregnant. And so it's like, well, I don't want kids. I never wanted kids. So we're in the hospital. My, my first daughter is born, Caitlin. And she's just this amazing package of scream. It's like, what am I going to do with this? There's no owner's manual for her. The doctor tells me, Craig, take off your shirt. I'm like, doc, I, I'm a married guy. And she's like, shut up and take off your shirt. So I take off my shirt and I hold my newborn baby, Caitlin, skin to skin. And she grabs my finger as if to say, hey, I'm, I'm relying on you for everything in my life. Now I have three amazing daughters. I have this beautiful wife. I have this great career where I'm still working 80 hours a week. I'm, I'm making more money than really I knew what to do with. I'm a SWAT cop. I'm, I'm in the gold mine as a, as a manager, and I'm trying to balance all this stuff, and I have no time for my girls. I went to the mine, and I told my boss, I'm, I'm going to give you three months' notice, but I'm, I'm quitting, and I'm going to go to work full-time in law enforcement. The great news about law enforcement is that it, it gave me the opportunity to be paid to go to all my girls' games. They were in volleyball. They were in basketball. My middle daughter, Courtney, uh, she wanted to be a fashion designer from the age of 12. And so she always had these crazy colors uh, in her hair, eyelashes, makeup. And I mean, her dress was out of this world. She would, uh, she would wear like these green and white leggings, a black and white shirt, yellow shoes, and a pink tutu, and all this bright color in her hair, and that's the way she would go to the mall. And when she would go to the mall, she would grab my hand, not to show me attention, but it was to tell everybody, hey, this is my dad, and he has to be with me right now. And it's about six months into, into her 16th year that we begin to see this, this subtle shift in her, where She's not the one to jump off the couch to help with dinner anymore or go out and help Cindy with the groceries. Um, she's distancing herself more and more from us. And we, we had a meeting one night, and my wife and I and, and Courtney just laid across our bed. And I, I asked her, I said, Courtney, I'm, I'm, I'm really afraid. I, I, I see these things in your life. You're pulling away from us. Uh, you're not engaged with us as a family. Can you tell me what's going on? And because of Danny Silk, 
we had this open relationship where the girls would be able to tell us information. And Courtney lets out this big sigh, and she goes, Dad, the reason why I've been avoiding you and Mom is because I've been having sex. I'll tell you, as a, as a parent, that, that just gutted me. So for about two and a half hours, we just had a conversation. When she went to bed that night, my wife and I, we just held hands in bed, and we began to pray. And, and it, was, it was during that that my wife is like, you know, she's suffering from low self-esteem. I realized that my voice is going to have to be the loudest in her life, not in decibels, but just in meaning to her. And so I timed it where she's fixing her hair. I go in, I wrap my arms around her shoulders, and I just put my head on her shoulder, and we're looking in the mirror. I said, hey, baby, tell me what you see. She just immediately begins to cry. She's like, Daddy, please don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. I said, baby, this is what I see. I see a beautiful young girl whose dad loves her very much, who you always make the right decisions. You have this amazing destiny in God, and I am so proud to hold your hand when we go to the mall. And I kiss her on the cheek, and I just, I just leave her with tears streaming down her face, and she's just openly bawling. And I realize that this is going to be a wall that I have to chip through. It's not going to fall in an instant. And so every day for two and a half months, it was the same routine. You would think that things would start getting better. In all actuality, they got worse. I remember one morning, I was plowing snow for another business owner friend of mine. And I see a, see a vehicle that belongs to her my daughter's boyfriend. I realize now that my daughter's probably inside that motel room. And so I, I knocked on the door. This young man opened the door, and I remember grabbing him by the throat and saying, you really messed up. My daughter is laying in a bed. And as I had this young man up against the wall, I remember my daughter saying the same words that she had said in that mirror is, oh, Daddy, please don't do this to me. Please don't. I realized I had a choice to make that day, that I could, I could show her that I could do violence well, or I could show her that here stands a man that's a dad that's willing to do anything to fight for her heart, to fight for her life. And so instead of doing violence, I decided I would cover my daughter and I would take her home. So now three months in, I walk in one morning, same routine, wrap my arms around her, put my head on her shoulder. I knew today was different. I said, hey baby, what do you see? And she grabbed my arms. She looks me deep in the mirror and she said, daddy, I see a daughter who loves you very much. You know what, dad? I do make right choices, don't I? I said, yeah, baby, you do. She goes, I know I have an amazing destiny in God. And I'm so proud when you hold my hand when we go to the mall. And she turned around and for the first time she kissed me on the cheek. I walked out of that bathroom, down the hall and into the living room. And I'm like, yes, it's working, it's working. Courtney comes to us and asks, I'd like to go to Jesus culture. And Cindy and I are like, yeah, no problem. That's a good place to go. So she comes over, and in the meantime, we've just become militant in how we're praying for Courtney, that, that God would just really, you know, capture her heart. Over the weekend, they come back, and the girls go to their rooms pretty quick, and, and Courtney comes, and she kneels at our feet. And my wife and I are sitting there, and, and Courtney begins to cry, and she begins to tell us 
that during worship, she literally had Jesus walk up to her and ask her, do you want your wedding night to be special? And she's like, yes. He said, then you have to give me all of your heart. Right after that, Pastor Chris gets up and gives the purity message. And it just totally clicks with her. And so she goes up front and she's like, Dad, I've recommitted my purity to God. I've rededicated my life to Jesus. And I'm so sorry for the way that I lived life. We've got our girl back. She is, she's part of the family again. And uh, the girls had applied to BSSM. Finally, I remember walking in the house and Corey having that letter. And she's like, Dad, look what came in the mail today. It's, it's my acceptance letter to first year BSSM. And she was like, I, I was so scared that I had messed up so bad that I would not, I would not get in. On April 17th, 2010, two weeks after she received her BSSM acceptance letter, I have a knock on my door. It's about two o'clock in the morning. So I go to the door and it's my, it's my partner that I work with in law enforcement. And he said, Courtney was killed in a car crash. And I just I held on to my wife and it's like, how, how do you console the inconsolable? Within two hours of hearing the news of Courtney was killed, that I kneeled at my wife's feet and I said, we will not become a statistic, that we will not divorce, that this will make us stronger, that, that we will see through this thing. Because I know one thing to be true, that God is good and his mercy endures forever. There's one thing that I have learned from Pastor Bill is God is good and that his mercy endures forever. So I remember going into the room where they had laid Courtney and here's my little baby. All the makeup's gone. Color is out of her hair. No, they've washed her up. And uh, I remember leaning down and stroking her face. And I remember whispering in her ear, this is what I see. I see a beautiful young girl whose dad loves her very much. I'm proud of you. You have an amazing destiny and you always make right choices. I'm just so proud to hold your hand when we go to the mall. For one last time, I got to kiss my baby on the cheek. About four days after the accident, that I'm just laying in bed. It's probably five o'clock in the morning. I, I just prayed, God, I got to know where my baby's at. And just very, very subtly, he prompts me to go into her bedroom. So I walk into her bedroom and I'm facing her desk and he said, that drawer. So I open up a drawer and she has one of her portfolio books for her fashion design line. And I start thumbing through it and it's all blank except for the last page. And I begin to read a, a letter that she had written to herself. And she just was living life on a high and she's, she's saying, I can't wait for graduation where my life is really gonna take off. She writes at the end, I look forward to the things that God has for me in the days ahead. And she signs it, praise Jesus. And the date was one day before the accident. So I knew I had my answer that, you know, your kids tell you one thing, but to read their innermost thoughts of what they were really living life like was just a, a kiss from heaven for me. We go into the funeral where over 600 people are, are in attendance. And 
And we wanted to give people an experience of where Courtney was headed. And so we, we played one of the songs from Jesus Culture, uh, Holding Nothing Back. In the middle of that song, that's how amazing my wife is. In the middle of that song, my wife begins to dance upon the injustice that had been done to our family. I remember there was just this, just this anointing that came into the room and I began to look around and people that didn't go to church and people from other churches began to raise their hands and began to praise God. And I thought to myself, wow, in the history of Round Mountain, the largest worship service that we've ever had has been at my daughter's funeral. In the fall, we just decided that Katie would come to first year and, and we would bury Courtney here in Reading because this was gonna be the next chapter of her life. That year was really hard. My wife and I decided that we would move over here and, and just start a new chapter in our life. You know, one of the things that I'm so proud of is we didn't let tragedy define us. We turned tragedy into triumph. And I don't look at a sunset the same way anymore. I, I don't hold hands with my wife or my girls the same way. And today, I have a better marriage than I ever have. I have a better relationship with my daughters than I ever have. You know, we, we still include Courtney in a lot of the stuff that we do. When, when she was alive, I would be missing like a, a mechanical pencil or a screwdriver. And I would ask the girls, have you guys seen my stuff? And they're like, no, dad. I'm like, I swear someone's coming in and stealing my stuff. Well, when we finally cleaned up her room, we found like 300 pencils and pens and screwdrivers, crescent wrenches under her bed. I think she did it just to annoy me. So now, anytime something's missing in the house, one of us will say, ah, Corey must have taken it. See, Holy Spirit knew what he wanted to talk about today. I love that's such a powerful testimony. And let me just say this at the beginning that uh, the testimony of Jesus is a spirit, uh, the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So any of you here today that that need a testimony to grab onto, that right there is the gospel in a nutshell. You might not realize it. The outward actions of his daughter exposed her identity, identity crisis. See, in the video, um, her outlandish, her, just her expression of herself on the outside and her wanting to hold her father's hand and walk through the mall with the pink tutu on really to embarrass him, but he, it, he wouldn't have anything to do with that. He held her hand because he loved her and there was no embarrassment. See, her inward crisis was looking for validation of rejection from her father, but her father wouldn't have anything to do with that. So just that in the process of this video, I'm just going to kind of go through segments of it because as I was watching it, the Lord was just speaking to me how this is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. See, Courtney began to distance herself from family members, and she began pulling away because she was ashamed of, what, of the choice that she had made and what she was doing in her, in her life, having sex, knowing that that was not 
the plan that her parents would have had for her. In Romans 2, verses 2 through 7, it says, Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment. Her dad did not pass judgment, neither did her mother. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. Those are pretty strong words. For you who judge, practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? We saw that. We saw that in that video. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds to those who by perseverance, say perseverance, in doing good, seek for the glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. See, her parents created and maintained a safe atmosphere of unconditional love through this process of rebellion basically in her life and they maintained and they created this pro- this this atmosphere of acceptment love and acceptance that no matter what the issue was that she could come to them because they had est- established a trust relationship with her Now, this is speaking of a a father and a mother and a daughter. Now, this this can be husband and wife. This can be co-workers. You you plug in where you fit in this story. But this isn't just about a father-daughter, okay? They created this atmosphere where they could ask questions, she could ask questions, and it was a safe atmosphere for answers to come, that there would be no judgment. Do you see the walking out of Scripture there? See, it's one thing to read it. It's actually another thing to really put it in action. And that's what I love about this testimony, as powerful it is as it is, and tragic in some ways, but triumphal in others, is because how they walked out each step of the way, the Word of God, and we're, in the end, celebrating. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. They continue to respond in love, with and in love to her, no matter what she came to them with, or no, no matter what questions they asked and the answers they received. They responded in love. No fear. And First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Her father says that the voice of love had to be the loudest, not in decibels, but in meaning in her life. The voice of love has to be the loudest, not in decibels, but in meaning. 
And every day he confirmed and declared over her love, identity, choices, and destiny. Those things countered the lies that she or he or whoever you may have been believing. Like when he asked her, hey, baby, when he was looking in the mirror with her, hey, baby, tell me what you see. And what she saw was not what he saw because she was believing lies. And then he would confirm how proud he was to hold her hand, walking in the mall or wherever. See, Isaiah 41.13 says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Do you see the parallel? Are you seeing the picture of how this testimony This father, these parents, this man, he's walking out. Whether he realizes it or not, I'm sure he realizes it because he has the word of God in him. And he, too, because understanding who loves him, what his identity is, the choices that he's making, and the destiny that he has. Do you see? It's not just about the daughter. Do you see this? Okay. I love that they realized that they're, as he's leaning over her and declaring to her and telling her who she was, and what good choice does she make? And as he's saying these things over her, he realizes that this wall is going to take a lot of chipping away at. And he realizes that he's, she's worth fighting for. She's worth dying for. She's worth. She's worth it. He realized it wasn't going to happen overnight, but over time, little by little, and things got worse before they got better. You may ask why. Why do things get Because there's an enemy to your soul that does not want reconciliation in your life. Reconciliation to God, reconciliation to one another. So expect the forces of evil. Expect the enemy, the intensity of the battle to ramp up. He, he's the creator of nothing. All he can do is continue to come at you with lies and you name it. But remember who's holding your right hand or holding your hand in his right hand. And he says, fear not, for I will help you. See, the father's making choices at this point, the hotel room. He's got this choice. He's got this young man 
who needs Jesus as much as anybody else by the throat because he's in his protection mode of his daughter. But right then and there, he has a choice to make because now he's, as he's holding this son against the wall, he has this revelation that I'm a son of the Most High God. And whether he consciously did this or not, he had to remember who he was and that his fight is not against flesh and blood, but about the power, again, with the powers and the principalities, right? John 6, 63 says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I love that because at that moment, in his flesh, he could have chosen to do, do harm, great harm to this child, this boy. But the flesh profits nothing. It would have profited nothing. It would have done nothing. Instead, he chose the spirit who gives life. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life, Jesus says. In Galatians 5, and 3 says, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. The last one is self-control. Do you see how... Each step of the way, this testimony is walking out the word of God in their lives, not just daughter, but father. This part wrecked me. When he said, I chose to cover my daughter and take her home because the spiritual significance of that in itself is powerful. And I'll let you ponder that on your own. But Romans 4, 24, um, verse 7 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. This blessedness is not of the one who is justified through works, but of the one who is cleansed from the righteousness that God has given us. It's not what we do. It's not about what we do for God. It's about who we are to God. And this is what Christ did for us. See, these parents, this process, he, they knew they had to be consistent, and they knew that they had to just stay at it. Plug away. I'm sure that this process was not pure joy all the time. But she was worth fighting for. And consistency breeds breakthrough. The daughter realizes who she is, who she belongs to. She makes right choices, and she believes that she does have a destiny. See, at this point, the father could relax and, and kind of, you know, taper off maybe in, in their prayer. And, and, but no, he says they became even militant in their prayers. And I love that because just when you think you've had, you've had this breakthrough and you can like, oh, okay, you know, yay, and step back 
He says, no, we ramped it up. We ramped it up. We became militant. Because it wasn't over. He realized that. They realized that it wasn't over. The battle increases in action instead of waning over time. They had, there, there was just this, this perseverance that just kept building and building and building and building. And you can just see them getting stronger and stronger and stronger through prayer. Not going by what they were seeing, but believing by faith that God is good. First Thessalonians says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for both yourselves and all. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. That's warfare right there. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Become militant. Pray without ceasing. Pray without, without ceasing. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What happens? The daughter has an encounter with Jesus. Who in your life needs to have an encounter with Jesus? Ramp up your prayers. Become militant in your prayers. She has an encounter with Jesus, and what happens? Repentance. Repentance. Not repentance because mom and dad said so. Repentance because she had an encounter with Jesus that changed her life, the course of her life. Romans 2, 4 says, Do you think Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? Do you think lightly of that? Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Or let me say this, the kindness of God through her parents led her to repentance. We see reconciliation between Father, daughter, family, I'm sure more. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, Therefore, if anyone, say anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And now all These things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, say gave me, the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us, to me, a ministry of reconciliation. Holy Spirit just wanted me to remind you what I said at the very beginning. Consider others more highly than you consider yourself. I don't know who that's for, but... So tragedy strikes. And now Dad has to make a choice and not become a statistic. And he chooses 
to remember God is good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 136.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And he goes to his daughter laying in the morgue, and he strokes her face, and he whispers in her ear, This is what I see. A beautiful young girl whose father loves her very much. I'm proud of you. You have an amazing destiny, and you always make right choices. I'm just so proud to hold your hand when we go to the mall. And one last time, he kissed her cheek. He didn't remember all the wrongs that she had did. I'm so proud of you. You always make good choices. See, and the father at this point, now he needs to. It's just such a circle. I don't know if you guys are seeing it, but it's such a, a beautiful picture, big picture. The father now needs to hear from his heavenly father because now he's, he's in the place of son, and he's a little bit shaken, and I, I need to hear. I need to be reassured. I need to know where my daughter is. So now he needs to hear from his heavenly father. Words of reassurance for his own heart of where his daughter is. See, we never stop being children who need reassurance from our father. That never stops. And he gets this, he calls it a kiss from heaven, a reassurance of his daughter's final destiny. And Psalm 23.3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Every choice this family is making with their daughter in mind is such a picture of the gospel. Are you seeing it? It's choosing. It's trusting God. It's walking out the word of God in your life and watching what happens when you trust this family celebrates at the funeral, funeral they're dancing upon injustice, which is a delirious song. It's not a scripture. So just so if you go looking where in the Bible it says they danced upon injustice, it's not really in there. But it's such, such a great picture. They play nothing, holding nothing back. See, the father's belief of the love of God for himself and for his daughter gave him a secure place in his own identity as a son. And then his choices, the father's choices, throughout his daughter's life, the ripple effect that they had on his daughter, on his wife, on his other children, directly affected not only him, but his entire family, right? His choices. He made good choices throughout. The testimony wasn't just about his daughter, but also about the ripple effect that our own choices, as we walk out the word of God, how they affect everyone around us. See, we're not to walk by sight. We're, walk to, we're to walk by faith. 
every opportunity we have to walk in obedience or disobedience is going to affect people around you. We're responsible unto God. I'm responsible. Nobody else. You guys are not responsible for me. I'm responsible to God to walk out what he has asked me to do. I have a choice. That's a beauty. He gives us a choice. Such a good father. The father and the family's destiny is in this entire experience became they danced upon injustice. They chose to celebrate the goodness of God. They chose Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. But see, you have to trust in the Lord first with all your heart. Then you have to not lean on your own understanding. And you have to acknowledge him in your life. Some. Some of you have to invite him into your life. And he shall direct your path. Tragedy turned into triumph, and God gets the glory. See, in many times in the midst of our trials with our kids, with our families, with our spouses, family members, coworkers, you plug in wherever it fits. We fail to see how our own obedience to his word, affects those around us. If we know that we're unconditionally loved, if we know who we are, if we make good choices, our destiny will always be good. Because God is good, and his mercy does endure forever. In Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Let's stand. Are you seeing the picture? You may be saying to yourself, but this ended in a tragedy. No, it didn't. It really didn't. Courtney had a destiny. Her destiny is heaven. God confirmed it. Do you know who you are? Do you know that you're loved? Do you know that you make good choices? God is so proud of you.
And each one of you have a destiny. And that destiny is heaven. We get to work that out here on earth by the choices we make. And if we simply consider others more highly than we consider ourselves, see, that's what Jesus did. That's what dying looks like. That's what I will lay my life down for a friend looks like, or a child, or a spouse, or a co-worker. See, there's nothing that God values on this earth greater than you, greater than your neighbor, your daughter, your son, your wife, your husband. He values his children. Amen? Amen. God is good. And each one of you children, I want you to see him leaning over and looking at the mirror, looking in the mirror with you and saying, baby, what do you see? And if you don't hear words that place on you identity, love, destiny, that you make good choices, you're believing a lie, and let him know, and renounce the lie, and believe the truth that he speaks to your heart. Amen? He loves you. Some of you your family members. are going to be reconciled because of the choices that you've made. And some of them may be tough choices, and they may be hard. But listen, in your weakness, he is strong. I want to tell you, he's all for you. But he's also for that prodigal right now. No matter what they look like. He didn't consider what you look like when you were redeemed. Right? So, Father, I just thank you for this word that you have laid upon our hearts here today. Father, I pray that you would speak individually to each one of us how this is to be walked out in our own lives. I thank you we have the assurance of your unconditional love always and that we are to fear not that you will help us that you have our hand in your right hand, and it's not loosely gripped, but it's with assurance of your love and protection. I 
I just speak courage over this house, over each one of you here today, that what may look like a mountain, that's a lie. (laughs) Holy Spirit says there ain't no mountain high enough to keep me from you, Lord. So stop believing the lie that this mountain is too big. It's too big for you, but not too big for God. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into those situations in our own lives that we have taken hold of and taken the lead on, and we give those to you. We surrender that to you, and we ask right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, commitment to make good choices, commitment to see others more highly than we see ourselves. And to walk out your beautiful words of instruction for our good. I just thank you, Lord, for your presence. Go with us. You are the wonderful counselor. I want to invite anybody up who needs prayer specifically. Mark and Anna, if you want to come up, and um, we have people that will pray with you. I pray that you grab onto this testimony for your own lives and have expectation of good that you become militant in your prayers for those situations in your life that you need change, or you need to see change. I pray that you would have hope and courage and assurance that God is good all the time, that nothing is a surprise to him. He knows all things that are going on in your life, but he may just be waiting for you to surrender those things. He may be waiting for you to ask for help. He may be waiting for you to become obedient to his word that he's already spoken. I thank you, Father, that you are such a good Father, that you will take our tragedies and turn them into triumphs. And we just declare that over each situation in this house today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.